I didn't really know what to prepare with for Everest. I just had to be the best I could be. I mean, I watched videos and read books and watched lots of YouTube and, and, and read lots of articles. And I did elements of all of that. And to me, that was going to get me there. But you really never know because the fittest people don't make it to Everest. And I guess the best agents don't always get the listing. You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of Elite Agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers and leaders. With thanks to our partner Connect Now, Elevate brings you the best tools, thinking and strategies to elevate your results. To get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast, visit joineliteagent.com. And for more information about how Connect Now can make moving easier on your clients, visit connectnow.com.au. Here is your host, Samantha McLean. Welcome to another episode of the Elevate podcast, where we delve into some of the most interesting minds in business and in real estate for the very best tips and strategies for you to implement to elevate your business. I'm Samantha McLean, editor of Elite Agent and host of today's show. My guest today is Compton Green Managing Director, Adrian Butera. He's a real estate professional for more than 30 years and is also a highly awarded auctioneer with a focus on local community. So Adrian, welcome to the show. Thanks, Samantha. It's, uh, it's great to be here. It's great to see you again, and and as we're saying off air, it's well overdue that we have you um, here on the Elevate podcast, and we've got lots to talk about today. But um, I wanted to kick off with talking about something that you know we all miss, I think, which is travel. And I think almost this time, like three years ago, before the pandemic, um, you were making your way to Everest Base Camp. Yeah, that's right. That was uh, an amazing, um, you know, one of those amazing achievements. Really, starting off as a as a as an amazing goal, and I, I really scratched my head at the beginning of time to think, could I do this? But yeah, it was wonderful to achieve. What were some of the highlights for you? You know, looking back, I mean, Everest is like a postcard. Every step you look up and around, and and words can't describe how beautiful the mountains are around you. Whilst Everest might be over 8,000 metres. There are many mountains ever so close. And uh, it was just so picturesque uh, and so amazing to think that you're walking through effectively a valley of mountains that are mammoth. Uh, So every step of the way was amazing. I did it on my own uh, with a group of people that I didn't know. And um, I, I just enjoyed making some new friends, seeing some amazing scenery. But when I look back now, I think I reflect not only on the scenery and the amazing 14 days on trek, but it was probably the six uh, to nine months of preparation beforehand, which I really am most proud about now that that effectively got me there. What did you have to do for that long to to be fit enough and have the mental toughness and all that sort of thing to to be able to achieve that? It's a great question because I, I now say I had to do what I did to achieve it because uh, about 500 metres from Everest Base Camp itself, um, I got uh, uh, I got uh, effectively altitude sickness in that very last moment. And I realised then why people um, find their fate on the mountain because you I could see my goal. I, I literally could see it with my own eyes and I realised that uh, having altitude sickness is not a good thing. So to answer your question, I had to do everything to get this. I still made it. Whilst I was unwell, I still made it. And there's some very funny photos of me 
half cockeyed standing at the pinnacle of the base camp. But, you know, things, fitness was one thing. I mean, I went off booze for the three months leading up. I was eating and drinking things that I actually did not enjoy, but uh, I believed them to be the right ingredients for me to get my body right. So if I didn't do those things, I most certainly in my own mind wouldn't have made it. It's interesting that it's a bit of a metaphor for real estate, I think that is, is that, you know, when you get to the listing presentation in the lounge room, it's often, you know, months and months and months of preparation and doing the right things that actually get you to the to the summit. I think it's it's exactly true. In, in fact, I, I look at the last 24 months, um, uh, the challenges of, that COVID has thrown at us, and I see that as the real metaphor of, you know, getting all that. You're never quite prepared. You never know what to prepare with, but you just need to be your best. And I think that I didn't really know what to prepare with for Everest. Uh, I just had to be the best I could be. I mean, I watched videos and read books and watched lots of YouTube and, and, and read lots of articles. And I did elements of all of that. And to me, that was gonna get me there. But you really never know because the fittest people don't make it to Everest. And I guess the best agents don't always get the listing. Yeah, that's very, very true. You just mentioned um, the last couple of years and, and COVID and you're from Victoria. And so I, I sort of have to ask the question, how did how did you guys manage yourselves to travel through the pandemic? I mean, clearly it's 2022 and we're not out of it yet, but, um, you know, how did, how did you find things over the last couple of years? Samantha, I've always, I've always seen myself as someone that has strength in a crisis and I, I see myself if uh, um, I, and I, I've never been in this scenario or I've been close to it but I thought if I approached a very bad traffic accident I would be the one to run out straight to the vehicle and do what I could where some people might sit back and get straight on the phone and call zero and I don't think one is better than the other by the way but I I like to tackle things head-on I think I've done okay through the crisis. We're very fortunate that the real estate market has continued well, and I've got an amazing crew, uh, an amazing team that have continued to hold strong with me. But I, I really think we've we've managed the crisis reasonably well. And, um, you know, the highs have been high in the last 24 months, but the lows were low when we couldn't show any real estate and we couldn't leave home. Uh, that was hard. That was that was difficult. When I had a vendor that had just separated with her husband, he was in bedroom one, she was in bedroom two, and you know they had a disabled son in bedroom three. You know, when you're dealing with clients like that, it's not nice. She couldn't leave home. Yeah, it's funny. You hear the you hear the legislation and the cans and the can'ts, but behind the cans and the can'ts, there's people in crisis and and all of those sorts of things, which you know you end up. I don't know, I guess absorbing some of the emotions of as well. It's impossible not to. Not only absorb, absorb the emotions, I think we became the conduit to somehow get that across the government and unfiltered. And we needed to let them know that this was, these were the real challenges on the ground. Whilst we completely understood the challenges of the illness and, and the pandemic, but we needed to communicate to government that that this was this is how is it affecting um, consumers not our industry put that aside for a moment but real people were impacted yeah 
So I wanted to talk to you today a bit about community and about people because I've long been an admirer of your business for for some of the work that you do, not just in community, but in sustainability as well. Um, And really like Compton Green, I think a lot of the real estate industry know you guys for your work in the community. And last year you were a finalist in the Community Service Awards. You've won plenty of other awards. I know you're an active member of of Rotary and stuff like that. How did community involvement become so important to you? Well, I think it's it's a natural step in our industry because real estate is one of those go-to industries for the community when they're looking for funding and support. So you can either push back on it or you can start to work with that. And I guess I've been really fortunate that some of my best friends have been built because I've got to link in and and build those community relationships. As we know in our industry, uh, relationships are king. And uh, uh, I I remember that that I think, you know, early days of real estate, that it was all about become someone's agent before they need one. And I think if you can build genuine relationships with the community, really, uh, what the benefit that will roll out there down the track will be that you are becoming people's agent before they need one. So there's absolutely been a, a reward for me from a real estate perspective. But from a personal point of view, it's been incredibly rewarding because uh, I've got to help the community. It is one of my core values. So I'm reminded today, I was reminded of a personality test I took some years ago. And one of my core values was being kind. I don't know that everybody would agree with that, but it is certainly part of my DNA. Yeah, absolutely. So when it comes to sort of thinking about community um, projects and things like that that you might support, how do you choose what is the right project for your for you or for your business? It doesn't come strategically. Uh, I did I did some time ago make a decision that we wouldn't support single events or we would avoid single events because I felt like there are so many single events, you know, I'm going to run this particular night. Would you sponsor that night? And as a business, we're strategically, we've stepped away from supporting those. But those organisations that we can support over a year or two or three, whether they're sporting or other types of community organisations, we look for. The best one I've got is um, one that I've talked about quite a bit was uh, uh, was two years ago, just before the pandemic, uh, I was on Kangaroo Island with my family and um, we were on the island when the bushfires were going across Kangaroo Island. Uh, and uh, it was, of course, tragic for the island and, and a lot of the west side of the island was burned out. In fact, we were supposed to be camping at Flinders Chase, which was completely burned out. And we were told by the bush, bush uh, uh, parks people that we couldn't go to our campsite. So we stayed at a different campsite on the eastern side of the island and um, one uh, one evening uh, we were approached by the campsite managers. Uh, they needed to have a meeting. We had a meeting. The mayor of Kangaroo Island approached us and said, uh, uh, look, you're all fine here. The fire's not going to come. As we walked back to our campsite, I said to my wife, you know what, I think we start packing a few things because something's not right here. And sure enough, at about midnight, we were woken up and we were given 30 minutes to evacuate the campsite. Uh, We evacuated through my two girls in the car and somehow managed to pack a camper trailer very quickly. And we moved to uh, the refuge centre, which was at at, at the main town there, Kingscote. And uh, and we were were good and we sort of had some breakfast the next morning. 
uh, we're at the the um, the refuge centre, and there was a big line forming, and uh, uh, I sort of went into this line. I checked, and it was the to get off the island. And then it got to me, my turn, and the lady said, when would you like to get off the island? And I said, I'm not sure that we do want to get off. She said, well, we can get you off tomorrow if you want. And I said, well, do we have to? She said, no, you don't have to go. I said, well, we'd actually like to stay the rest of our time on the island. She said, okay. And then there was, so there was nothing to talk about. And the next day we hitched on our camper trailer and we drove to Kangaroo Island Spirits. And... Um, I was there with my camper trailer and we were tasting some gin and we thought it's pretty good gin. We should buy a couple of bottles. And the, the lady started talking to where you're from. So from Melbourne, she said, where are you staying? I said, actually, it's a good question. We were staying at that caravan park, but we got evacuated last night. We're really not sure where we're staying, but we'll, we'll work it out. We'll be fine. And as we were packing the car with the gin, the owner of the gin kangaroo and spirits, John, uh, Lark came up to me and said, Adrian, uh, I overheard that you have nowhere to stay. You're welcome to stay at our farm if you like. I said, no, no, we'll be fine. He said, no, you're welcome to stay. The kids can muck around and whatever. And I said, no, no, we're, we're really, really fine. He said, you sure? I said, yeah, I'm sure. And anyway, a bit more small talk and we moved on. Anyway, some weeks later, I got back to Melbourne. I walked in the front door of my office and one of my team said, we've run out of champagne to give as a settlement gift. And I said, what do you mean we've run out? She said, we've got no more Maui or whatever it was to give to, give to our clients. I said, well, we're not giving out any French champagne anymore. We're gonna give out Kangaroo Island gin from now on. So I rang up and I said, who's the owner of, I rang the, I didn't know the owner's name at the time. And I rang and I said, who owns Kangaroo Island gin? He said, that'll be John. Can I speak to him? I said, g'day John, it's Adrian. I said, you remember me, you offered me accommodation in the car park. And he said, yeah, I remember you. I said, well, we used to be give away Maui. We've given away Maui for years. I said, from now on, we don't do that. We give away Kangaroo Island gin. And he said, oh, it's amazing. And anyway, we've become friends and I've interviewed him a few times for various subjects, but he's, uh, he's a wonderful guy. So to, it's a long answer, Sam, but how do you get involved in the community? Sometimes it's just really random like that. But to me, that's a really important community involvement that I wanted to support a, a bushfire community, ravaged community, um, with buying their products. And sometimes it's that simple. Yeah, it's an amazing story too, actually, and proof that, you know, like good actually works in both directions when you, um, I think Chris Hanley says it a lot, when you give to give um, rather than expecting something in return. I think that's a really key part of it. Yeah, I think yeah, 100%. You, you can't... You can't be aligned with the community with the view of getting business back. It just comes back naturally if you're a good person. One of the other interesting initiatives I want to talk about today is um, you're a founder of, of Goes Green. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is and how it works? So Goes Green started um, when most of Australia had no water, when the drought was, uh, and, and, and I say that because I know other parts of the country are still in drought, but when it was significant restrictions here in Victoria and and it was incredibly topical and I was really just looking at what we were doing with our waste within our own business and um, it was a simple I, I can tell you where I was parked in the car when I picked up the phone to City West Water who's our local water provider here and said look I've got this idea I want to 
change all the shower heads in all our rental properties. You know, we managed the thousand residential properties at the time and and they were under a mandate by the state government that they needed to meet a certain criteria of water reduction. So they thought it was a fabulous idea to partner with a real estate agent. So all of a sudden that led to what else can we do within our homes? You know, single flush to uh, dual flush, what's happening? Does every rented property have a recycle bin? Whilst we know they're entitled one, do they actually have one? So we created what we called a realistic environmental audit that could be done by any property manager. And we then provided that audit to the landlord that gave them uh, eyes on the status of their property. Now, we then gave the opportunity to those landlords, if they wanted to do something on their property, we would do it for them for free as part of their management fees. So if they wanted to change their single flush toilet to a dual flush, we would do it as part of our typical uh, property management services. Um, and that just grew. That that just became, uh, it, it became a beast within our own business. It became a huge curiosity across the country on what we were doing. Um, and we were pleased to report on it actually, because we thought it was a ripping idea. Uh, and we'd, we'd love to see everybody doing it because it just sort of, it works. Uh, there's not a lot to do with it now because everybody's aware of it. It just, we communicate uh, the environmental audit through our condition reports and it just ticks along. I think it's an amazing differentiator. Like if I was one of your BDMs or one of your salespeople and I was able to sit there in front of a, a potential investor client and talk to them about, you know, this is a service. I think it's a it's a real wow moment. Um, how, did, how did investors react to it when you started putting that in front of them? So investors reacted, there was a real mixed bag. So, so some owners would do nothing and say, yeah, I know, and I don't care. Uh, some owners were very pleased and very happy for us to make the change. Um, the re where it really stood out was with the people that we didn't know. So as soon as some publicity was created, we, uh, on many occasions, and it still happens, we have people seek us out. Uh, and sometimes in suburbs we generally don't operate in, but they are more environmentally conscious than, um, than their, their incumbent agent and as a result seek us out uh, to do the business. So um, it's not the big business earner or it's not the big converter of business coming our way, but it is certainly the feel good. As we know, uh, some investors uh, care more than others. Um, some are more money driven and, and prefer not to, to change that toilet or shower head. Uh, so it, it's been a real mixed bag. But to me, once again, it comes naturally. It's the natural offering to all of our clients. I think it's great. And I think it's, um, you know, it, it sounds to me like it's something that would appeal to the younger generation coming through as well, like not just investors, but tenants as well. Like I think about my daughter who's Gen Z and always trying to save the planet and their gift in year 12 to the school was, um, you know, uh, bubblers so that so that school kids didn't have to sort of carry plastic bottles of water around. Like, I think it's it's one of those interesting things. Like, I mean, I've seen sustainability as a trend for many years. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that more agencies will will jump onto that sort of thing in the years to come? I, I think there's a real opportunity within agencies because I believe we have the talking stick. I believe our landlords and tenants listen to us mostly. And if we've got the right product or service, then they will listen. 
So the opportunity, whilst my goes green originally started with water and waste, the opportunity now exists in energy. And rather than you just look at some of the commissions, the energy suppliers want to pay us uh, to direct where the energy goes. Uh, just think of the talking stick we have as an industry if we could help save some energy and what that would look like within our industry. So I think there is a real opportunity uh, moving forward that could exist in putting solar on all our rental properties. It's very easy to say. Uh, I can say to you, because I've tried, it's harder to do. It is certainly not impossible. It's about dedicating the time and resources. I think it's achievable, but I've had many meetings with solar companies. Uh, uh, in Victoria, there is an organisation called Moreland, uh, Moreland Energy or Moreland Solar. I've had meetings with them to see what I could do. Uh, there's a real opportunity there to have uh, an influence uh, with energy. So if you're an agent listening to this podcast, and you were thinking, or you've you've heard from other agents, um, just go and get involved in the community. You know, just go and go and get out amongst it. Um, what what would you do, or what advice would you give another agent if if they were sitting there thinking, well, yes, I've just got to I've got to do something. Um, where where would you start? Well, I, th I think the start needs to be natural. That's the first thing. If it's not if it's not in you naturally, uh, you you can't give to receive. And again, I'm repeating the comment from Chris Hanley. It is important that it needs to come naturally. If it comes naturally within you, then taking steps within your local community, whether they're sporting clubs, whether they're service clubs, and uh, a lot of the service clubs, they're an aging population. So if you're a, a young Gen X, Gen Y, what are they? Young agents these days getting into it. If you're 20 something, uh, and you want to get involved in your community, uh, certainly your own sporting clubs, but if you're, you may already be active in the sporting club, but then push yourself to be on the committee, push yourself to be onto the board, get involved there and you'll find that there are natural, uh, natural connections that will continue to link you with the community moving forward there. But it's got to feel right for you in the first instance. And I think sporting clubs is a great first step. So let's talk about auctioneering now because um, you are an award-winning auctioneer and I think, how many times have you won the um, Seniors Auctioneering? I've, I count about four. Yeah, I count about four as well. So, What have the past couple of years been like for you as an auctioneer with all the, the COVID craziness and things like that? Well, it's, 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 it's probably best described about uh, three or four years ago, I had Gary from Anywhere Auctions who's uh, our current online auction provider. Gary walked into my office and he walked out and we never did an online auction. And I just said, look, Gary, online auctions are not for me. I more or less said they're never gonna work. Uh, and I'm an avid supporter of on-site auctions. Well, I sort of had to put my tail between my legs when I picked up the phone to Gary and said, right, we can't call auctions on-site anymore. Can we please go online? So I was the first to say that they weren't going to be a good thing, but I'm the first to say that the hybrid auction is here to stay. Uh, Compton Green has made the decision that we will not call an auction on site now that is not also online. Every single one of our auctions that are on site, and I hope they continue on site, of course, open to change, but we will continue to run all our auctions both on site and online. We're very aware that uh, if you're sick, if you're on holidays, 
if you just can't be there, if it's the other side of the town, if traffic's just too horrendous and you just want to buy it online, you can. If you want to come on site, you want to lift your hand, you want to feel the, uh, the breeze running through your hair and just be there in front of the home, uh, well, you can. We want to be able to offer choice. So um, what COVID has done for my auctioneering career is has evolved it to be both on-site and online, and I've enjoyed that. Yeah. Are there any other things that have happened? You know, I've talked to a lot of uh, principals and, and, and other agents that have taken things from the last couple of years, things, changes that they didn't necessarily want to make, like that you just talked about, but have actually embraced that sort of thing. Um, what else What else have you brought with you into, into 2022 that you hope will hang around for a bit? I'd like to think, um, Sam, that my auctioneering style has evolved. There, there has been a far more relaxed approach to the way my auctions have been. I think uh, I, I perhaps have been a bit rah-rah in my presentations in the lead up, but COVID slowed me down a little bit. Uh, the online auctions have slowed me down. I think that that's continued. So that's a good quality that I've carried with. I think many agents now, and if you haven't, you are so far behind the time, but many agents now have gone paperless. I haven't signed a paper contract now for you know, every bit of 18 months, nearly two years. Um, so again, there are platforms out there, all our contracts uh, come through digitally, tagged up and uh, are all executed on glass, regardless of whether on site or online. So that's another really good quality that we've, we've carried with. You and I met, I think, look, five years ago or something now, and um, and Compton Green was was already very well known for the things that we've talked about. Tell me about just generally over the over the last five years, what does the Compton Green business look like now, and what are your hopes for the future? Well, I was, I was reminded recently when I was talking to a new social media company that we have something like uh, nine social media accounts out there, various names and brands. Um, uh, I, I introduced my podcast in 2020, The Real Estate Story, uh, which I, I can't believe the feedback and comments uh, that I had during that. I have to confess, though, that it went into hibernation in 2021, but it will come out in 2022. So to create a podcast, I, I, I was had no clue what I was doing. Um, everybody had said I had a voice for radio, but not really a head for TV. But it was... I agree with that. Yeah. So we sort of, uh, uh, it, it was really, really good and, and wonderful comments. And my goal there was to build content for our clients. Um, we also evolved our Compton Green Enterprise. So Compton Green Enterprise is our uh, bespoke facilities and property management. And we, we have local, state and federal government clients um, across there from to Fence Housing Australia, right through to Moreland Council, Hobson's Bay, including uh, Department of Transport, Vic Roads, just to name a few of our clients. So that's been very rewarding for me because it's given me some some excitement uh, that's different to what I've done for largely 25 plus years. So my last five years has been um, innovative in, in our enterprise business. Uh, we opened up an office in Geelong that's uh, uh, almost like a franchise office down there, licensed office. So we're really excited by that. Brad and Nadine running that business and I'm mentoring and guiding them with the sales side of things, running their sales business there. Uh, we've done in uh, in three months what they what they sort of did in the last 12. So really going gangbusters down in that Geelong marketplace. Uh, 
but I continue to evolve, um, Samantha. I've been enjoying what I'm doing more and more. I think that's probably to the point. I think it's so easy. I have people and friends that I've known in this industry for 30 years, and and I think it's easy to become bored. Uh, and I think I'm very fortunate as a innovator. My wife would say innovation, not always for the sake of good, but I, I'd like to innovate and, and reinvent a few things that we do. And that's kept me really busy. Yeah, well, I remember you—you you were one of the first with the Friday lunches, and I still haven't, still haven't managed to take you up on it. But I—I I swear, if they're still on, at some point I will. A lot of people ask about whether I'm still cooking for the team. Um, so there was many, many years there where I would cook for the team on a regular basis, and uh, it was a real highlight. An email would go out in the morning. Lunch provided at twelve thirty. If you were there for lunch, uh, you got a meal. If you weren't there, that's fine. We had a series of Tupperware containers and we gave that to um, what, what we said, our single staff. If you were single, you got to take a meal home. <laughs> and, and that was great. But, you know, life gets in the way. Uh, my team would probably say I only cooked half a dozen times in the last, uh, well, probably given COVID uh, in the last couple of years, maybe. But uh, we got to bring that back because we have full kitchens in both our businesses in Williamstown and West Footscray. Um, and we're proud to cook a meal and encourage anybody to cook a meal anytime. Yeah, I think um, I think we're all craving a bit of that, um, you know, things that we used to do before COVID. And speaking of which, that was one of the final questions I was going to ask you, knowing that you're a bit of an outdoors person. Now that the borders have opened up, is there any travel destinations on your on your bucket list now? My kids are dying to go to a resort, so I'm not sure that we had the guts to leave the country yet. So we've organised... Uh, We've got a trip heading up to Noosa, so we're looking forward to that in September. We've only just got back from three weeks down at Queenscliff, and uh, we had a wonderful time there. I don't have any adventure trips planned, but we have started talking about December 20, sorry, January 2023 to do a Fraser Island trip. So um, I think we can bring that together. Uh, That would be wonderful. But I always spend some time in the high country when I can. one of my one of my little things that I'm uh, I'm part of bush search and rescue now, so I look forward to helping out once again community and being in the bush. Um, you know when you can do something you love while helping the community, it's uh, winning both ways. So I'll I'll end up in the bush somehow. Yeah, well, I think that's that's proof too that you can get really active in the community and you can still be successful at real estate. You know, like there is you 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 seem to balance all of that quite well. So, which is amazing. Not always balanced, but I, I give it a good hard crack. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. Well, Adrian, it's been fantastic catching up with you today, and we've covered a fair bit of ground between community marketing and 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 charity work and and sustainability and all that sort of thing. So. Firstly, I want to thank you for sharing your knowledge with us today. It's been amazing. And secondly, if you had one piece of advice or one final thought that you would like to leave everyone with, what would it be? Yeah, I think to me right now, that's an easy one. If there's one thing that you can do is be memorable. Being memorable in every element of our vocation, whether you're a property manager or a salesperson, whether it's your social media page, or whether it's a completely different career, if you can be memorable, I think that's a pretty good outcome. Yeah, absolutely. Adrian Butera, thank you so much. Thanks, Samantha. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Elevate podcast. 
with thanks to connectnow.com.au. Don't forget to get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast. Visit joinaliteagent.com. <laughs>